Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Friends, would you turn in your Bibles to the New Testament, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. It's actually my intention to preach a series through Matthew chapter 1, actually just looking at two verses because I'm very slow, <laughs> over three verses, over three sermons, um, looking at verse 22 and 23. But I'm only with you for this one week, so I have to compress everything into one sermon, which means we're going to be here for three hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually have to shoot across. There's a, a baby dedication at Arcadia, so I can't preach for three hours. Um, but I do intend on covering this text, the birth of Jesus Christ. And I've been looking forward all year to getting to it. I love Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I know some people get irritated when they go to the shops and have to hear, um, I, I don't even, uh, well, Christmas carols going perpetually on repeat. That's like my favorite time of the year. I love the tinsel. I love the trees. I love the carols. Uh, even in busy shopping centers and at home, I love this time of year. But I really love preaching. And so this particular part of Matthew's gospel is certainly a favorite to me. I assume most people have found it. Uh, we're looking at the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. And I'm going to read from verse 18 to 25. And then we will explain the meaning of God's word. Let's uh, bow our heads and just prepare our hearts and our minds for both the reading and the teaching. Father God in heaven, I do thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is faithful and true. That, Lord God, it points us to your son, Jesus Christ, and he is most beautiful and worthy of our praise. Father, help us to see through the season. See through, Lord God, busy shopping malls and see through um, even sometimes cheesy Christmas carols in them. Uh, see through the secularization um, of this time of year. And once again, remember Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. His miraculous birth. And the reason why he came, to save sinners from their sin. Oh Lord, would you teach us from this passage this morning, we pray, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, I read to you from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning at the 18th verse. Hear the word of God. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Just so far in the reading of God's word. So over the next few weeks, we will celebrate Christmas. And our Christmas celebration will be different to the world's festive celebration. This is because Christmas has nothing to do with trees and bells and candles and lights. Christmas has Nothing to do, maybe this should come with a spoiler alert, but has nothing to do with mistletoe or holly or Santa Claus or red-nosed reindeers. It is, in fact, unlikely that Jesus was even born on the 25th of December. Rooted in the world's festive traditions are non-Christian religious and pagan practices. But over the next few weeks, we will hijack the Christmas festive season because the 25th of December is as good as any day to celebrate the birth of Jesus who is to be celebrated every day. And so we will use this festive season to point people to the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. In our text this morning, the first half of Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as the king of kings. Uh, Matthew's opening words in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 connect Jesus to his legal ancestor, King David. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 2, the Magi who comes searching for Jesus asked the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Matthew intends to present Jesus as the king of kings. And, and here he is presenting the birth of the king. Second half of verse 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child From the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a tense situation. Mary's pregnant. 
And Joseph knows that he knows that he isn't the father. Joseph knows he's not the father because they have not had sexual intercourse yet. It's as simple as that. And the, sec- the, the situation is, is tense because they are, in fact, as good as married. And you, you ask the question, well, how is it that they are as good as married but are not yet having sexual intercourse? It's because engagement in the Jewish culture at this time was very different to our culture at this time. The engagement was a legal and binding arrangement. Once you get into it, there is no getting out of it except by legal divorce. These engagements usually lasted a calendar year, and the marriage is then consummated by sexual intercourse on the wedding night. Joseph and Mary are as good as married, but they have not yet had sexual intercourse. And Mary's pregnant, and so tension hangs in the air. But tension is only half of the story in verse 18. The other half of the story is an introduction to excitement. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The phrase, she was found, translates the Greek word herisko. Herisko is where we get our English word eureka from. Once upon a time, there was a famous mathematician named Archimedes. Archimedes had a problem to solve. He he had to prove that a, a crown that had been made for the king of Syracuse was not pure gold. Archimedes thought long and hard about it, but had no solution. One evening, he filled up a bathtub. I don't think he used bubble bath, but he filled up his bathtub with with water. And as he got in, water spilled out over the side. And in a flash, he realized that he had displaced his body in equal volume to the water which had come over the side of the bath. Knowing that gold is heavier than other metals, Archimedes knew he had the solution. And he jumped out of the bath and legend and myth has it that he ran naked down the street towards the castle to tell the king that he had solved the equation shouting, Eureka, or I have found it. Now, if you want to understand the science of that, I'm not the best guy to speak to. You can speak to Peter Skinner straight after the service. He will make himself available close to the coffee and the tea. But right now, the focus is on the word Eureka. I have found it. The solution to a problem. Verse 18 reads Eureka. The problem is solved. And you might ask, what problem? Well, all creation groans. Under a curse. The price of man's sin, friend, the price of your sin must be paid. But the question is how? And the answer is by a substitute. Your sin for another's death. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, 
does not inherit the same sinful nature that all of Adam's helpless race inherit and share. He is the solution to the greatest problem all humanity has ever faced. This child's conception is by the Holy Spirit. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. There is plenty of tension in verse 18. But there is excitement too. The creator of the heavens and the earth who spoke the worlds and they came into being has brought about a miracle. Mary, a virgin, is pregnant. Verse 19 and the first half of verse 20. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now keep in mind, right now, you know something that poor Joseph doesn't know. Uh, these circumstances have a divine origin. Right now, Joseph, all that he knows is that Mary is pregnant and he is not the father. What's interesting about Joseph, as you dwell on these verses, is what's not recorded in the text. Joseph doesn't appear to bear any resentment. Joseph doesn't appear to express any anger. Joseph doesn't seek any vengeance. Instead, Matthew describes him as a just man, as a righteous man, not a sinless man. Now, Joseph suffered under the same curse as all of Adam's helpless race, but like other Bible heroes before him, Joseph was upright in his generation. He, he cared for Mary. And he was unwilling to put her to public shame. And instead, he resolved to divorce her with as little public drama as possible. Another attribute of Joseph I, I want to underline is his contemplative nature. He considered. He pondered. He reflected upon, he deliberated, he contemplated, and he processed the situation. And I imagine that with his many contemplations running around inside of his head, he went to bed that night deeply troubled. He knew Mary. He knew that she was a virtuous girl. She would not have cheated on him, would she? But she is pregnant. There's no denying that. And the inconvenient truth is he knows he is not the father. I imagine that he tossed and turned around much of that night until at last he drifted into a troubled sleep. Behold. <laughs> Pay attention to what comes next. Hark. That's where we get the idea of hark, the herald angel sing. Hark. Watch out for what comes next. As, as Spurgeon comments, behold is a word of wonder. It is intended to excite admiration. 
Wherever you see it hung in Scripture, it is like an ancient signboard, a billboard drawing attention to something which is of particular worth of observation. Read with me in verse 20, the second half in verse 21. Joseph, the angel says, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For what that, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. What's amazing here is that angels are scary. (laughs) They not like the pretty, glittery, silver ornaments that we hang in our Christmas trees. Nor are they like the cute, childlike, fat cherubs on Hallmark postcards. From Scripture, we understand that they are usually not visible to us, but there are many of them. They can appear as men. They are often radiant and reflect something of the glory of God to man. There's different types of angels, such as the cherubim and the seraphim. They are described as outer-worldly. Angels are warriors. They issue punishment from God. They are capable of binding Satan. They are battle-ready. Angels are scary. Now, because angels are scary, often the first words that angels say to humans are, fear not. In Genesis chapter 21, the angel of God speaks to Hagar and begins the conversation by saying, fear not. In Daniel 10, one having the appearance of a man touched Daniel and said, fear not. In Acts 27, an angel appears to Paul to assure him in the midst of a a shipwreck. And the first thing that the angel says to him is, fear not. Now, notice what the angel says to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. As scary as heavenly beings are in his dream, his deepest fear in his heart relates to Mary and the circumstances he is presently facing. But Joseph is about to find out what we already know to be true. The child is conceived from the Holy Spirit. To conceive is to beget, to procreate, to produce offspring. In this verse, we are on holy ground. It is the supernatural which we are witnessing, the the miraculous, the outer worldly. Jesus is not the offspring of a coupling of a man and a woman. His origin is divine. The angel says, you shall call his name Jesus. The word Jesus comes from the Latin transliteration of the Greek word Yesu, 
The Greek word Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew word Yeshua. Yeshua means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. The, the covenant-keeping God of Israel who has rene- revealed his personal name as Yahweh saves. The, the, the meaning of Jesus is the Lord saves. It's in his name, and it's also what he comes to do. He will save his people from their sins. His people are the Jews. And that is where salvation began. He, he came to bring salvation from sins. Not political liberation or economic redemption or social emancipation. He came to bring salvation from sins. And here is the point of Christmas. Miss this and you miss everything. Christmas is part of the meta-narrative of God's redemption of mankind. Christmas marks the birth of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christmas is the story of the Lord who saves. Verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Joseph is just a man. He's a righteous man, but he is an obedient man. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And I imagine his joy at taking Mary as his wife, knowing something now of her faithfulness toward him, knowing something of her favor in the Lord's sight. But even though they completed the wedding ritual, they didn't have sexual intercourse, at least not until after Jesus Christ was born. We know that they lived as husband and wife after that because the Bible talks of Jesus' brothers and sisters. But until Mary had given birth to Jesus, he knew her not. Verse 25, the second half. And he called his name Jesus. That brings us to the end of Matthew's story about Joseph and the birth of King Jesus. A a story of obedience, a a story of of wonder. Uh, As commanded, he had named his son by adoption, Jesus. Uh, This brings us to the end of Matthew's Christmas story, a miraculous story of an angel and an immaculate conception. Now, it's a story which is familiar to most. But now I I hope the cautious reader of Scripture would have noted that I left out two verses, verse 22 and 23. I'd like to turn your attention to Matthew's commentary on the Christmas story. These are Matthew's words as he sums up what he sees in the story. All this, in verse 22, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You'll notice that the Christmas story was to fulfill prophecy. 
God's word to us. You'll note that the, the prophecy spoke of the virgin birth of a son, God like us, and that the son would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that'll be the outline for contemplation and application, which we will briefly whiz through. God to us, God like us, and God with us. Firstly, God to us. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. God speaks to us. Shortly after God had created heaven and earth, after Adam had sinned, after God cursed the serpent, he promised, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God speaks to us. He promises God speaks to us. He, he took one man from all men of the world, Abraham, and he, he led him out from his land towards a promised land, and he promised, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God speaks to us. Friends, God speaks to us. He, he spoke to David, a, a man after God's own, own heart and the, the king of the Jewish nation. And to him, God promised, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up from your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. I shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God speaks to us. Now, the specific prophet through which this prophecy comes is Isaiah. He's not mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, but that's where the quote comes from, Isaiah chapter 7. In Isaiah chapter 7, the, the kingdom of Israel had been split in two. The, the southern kingdom of Israel was ruled by Ahaz, a wicked, evil man. The northern kingdom of Israel was ruled by Pekah. And Pekah had entered into an alliance with the king of, of Syria, and together they had besieged Jerusalem. And Judah didn't stand a chance. And the wicked, evil Ahaz could not expect God to intervene for him. But God hadn't given up on Judah. And Isaiah came to give Ahaz God's promise of his ultimate support for Judah. Isaiah brought comfort. God would intervene. And this would be the sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God speaks to us. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's words to us. He promised it and he will fulfill it. Whatever it takes, God will get it done. 
of that you can be certain. God promised to send a savior. The child born in Bethlehem is named Jesus. The Lord saves. God promised he would raise a redeemer. Jesus came into this world to save men from their sins. God promised to seat a king on David's throne. Jesus is born to the line of David by blood through Mary and by law through Joseph. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in him. You can trust God. He is faithful. He fulfills his promises. God to us. Secondly, God like us. Our text says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Matthew chapter 23, the first half of the verse. This is a great mystery. Jesus is one person with two natures. He is at once fully God and fully man. And it's in the virgin birth that this great reality is made possible. The eternal son of God is conceived in Mary. Jesus became a human being. He took on humanity. He was incarnate. And in doing so, he identifies with us in our struggles. Because Jesus is fully God and fully man, God like us, he can die on the cross as a substitute in our place to pay the penalty that our sins deserve. The angel said, name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It is in the virgin birth that his appropriateness to bear our sins as a viable substitute, became a reality. Do you feel the way that sin has separated you from a holy God? Has it dawned on you that you are unable to pay the great price that your sin debt has incurred? Are you Utterly hopeless that you will be able to make things right. Good. You're ready for the Savior. He paid it all. On the cross as he died in your place, it is finished. The price has been paid by Jesus Christ who died in your place. And that is proven by the fact that he rose from the grave. Turn from your sin and place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you will live. God to us, God like us, God with us. The second half of verse 23. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Spurgeon again rightly says, Emmanuel is eternity's sonnet. It is heaven's hallelujah. It is the shout of the glorified, the song of the redeemed, the chorus of angels, the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. Jesus has been God with us, our Emmanuel in the past. 
We read of, of God walking and talking with man in the Garden of Eden. But our sin ruined that beautiful country and relationship. But friends, God is with us, Emmanuel. God, John describes this incarnation like this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel, presently. As Matthew records at the end of his gospel, behold, I, Jesus Christ, am with you always, even to the end of the age. And our Emmanuel will be with us forever and ever. We read of this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and 3. And John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. It is this Jesus Christ, this child, this child born of a virgin who we celebrate at Christmas, this child who is Emmanuel, God with us. It is Jesus Christ that we celebrate on the 25th of December. Because Jesus Christ is worthy to be celebrated every single day of our lives and for the rest of eternity to come. Jesus Christ is the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lofty words, Lord God. Emmanuel is eternity's sonnet and heaven's hallelujah. A name which for all eternity will be raised and praised. For he is most worthy. Lofty words, heavenly words, transcendent words. And yet words which came into our world and dwelt among us. The word of God made flesh. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, able to save sinners from their sin. What a wonderful Savior we serve. What a glorious Savior we serve. Father God, this Christmas season as we celebrate and 
enjoy a time as things slow down and we spend time with family and friends. Help us, Lord God, to keep our focus on that which is of infinite value, infinite worth, worthy of our highest priority and praise, the person of Jesus Christ, that he might be glorified in our lives and in our family's lives and in this church's life. For your praise and glory and eternal fame we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za